You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hey, and welcome once again to Disney One by One. This week, we're on movie number 31. We're in the promised land of these films. We just had Beauty and the Beast last week, Aladdin this week, on to Lion King next week. We're talking about Aladdin from 1992 and not Prince of Egypt, as I referenced the promised land. But the Prince of Egypt's pretty awesome. But it's not a Disney movie, so I'll stop talking about it. <laughs> With me today, as always, is my brother David Rolfing. David, welcome to Disney One by One. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me back. I think Beauty and the Beast was still across the Jordan, but I would agree that Aladdin is in Canaan. <laughs> and I forgot to do my analogy, the, the uh, boo to my Aladdin. David oh, Rolfing. Do you want to start <laughs> I'm just, over? I'm just your little pet. <laughs> hey, you still have one more shot. I could be your Abu if you want. Oh, okay. Well, and the Abu so to my be, Aladdin. You can, be the, you can be the carpet. Yeah, our, our guest today. This is I just, have my shirt on. That doesn't count. We're off to a rough start, but <laughs> Andrew Perez, welcome back <laughs> to Disney One by One. Hey, good to be back. You uh, heard him way back on the three Caballeros and... Uh, I, I, I challenged him to write a review on, on iTunes in Spanish, so I had to read it on the show, and he did, and I did. So, uh, did you did you hear it? I did not. What episode did uh, you oh, do it on? I don't remember. I'd have to look back and check. <laughs> <laughs> but I read it. <laughs> anyway, Perez, we, we heard we heard some of your Disney history, quite, a, quite an extensive Disney history on the Three Caballeros episode, and I encourage all listening to go back and listen to that one if you want to hear stories about working in the Indiana Jones stunt show and about Mickey Mouse's being thrown in bodies of water. But uh, I also hear that you <laughs> have some experience with, with some Aladdin characters in the parks. I do. There was one particular Jafar in one of the parks that I worked with, in, that shall remain nameless, and uh, his favorite thing... And the whole day to do was mess with other cast members as they would walk by or they would be going to break or whatever. And uh, one of them who wasn't aware that this was sort of his shtick went straight up to him and punched Jafar in the face. <laughs> Not, punched him so hard, in fact, that uh, it caused the head to actually spin a little bit on the person wearing it. <laughs> well, needless to say, that didn't end well for either of them or the child who was about to take a picture with now crooked headed Jafar. Oh, so this happened out in public. This was, yeah, this was in front of guests. This is, yeah, <laughs> this, this not, did not go well. I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. That's something probably every f true fan of Aladdin wanted to do at some point in their lives is like find Jafar and punch him in the face. But somebody actually got to live out that dream. <laughs> Gosh. And did you witness this? I did witness it personally. Yes. And you were you were the were you like the character attendant at the time? I no no I was working very close by. Okay. Yeah, very close by. You always talk so cryptically about these Disney things. Well, I still technically work for them sometimes, so <laughs> it's probably better if I uh, don't include the details. Yeah, that's all right. I just I just I just want to know everything. You know, I understand. What well, what was the highlight of working in the parks? How about that? Ooh, I don't know. Or your favorite your favorite magical moment? <laughs> there were a lot of those. It really was a lot of fun to just like create those mind blowing moments that people never expected would have happened in some place so big. You know, sure. where they, they they get that little individual attention and like every once in a great while. I'll run into somebody who will say, oh, remember when we did this for this person? And it's 
just as cool for us when we get to do it as the as the people who receive those magical moments. Yeah, and, and were you encouraged to do that kind of stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Whenever we could. So I did more of that than probably my job. But <laughs> yeah, I've had a few of those things. I've been, I've been waved through and and not be and they didn't make me pay for parking. You know, just just for the heck of it. I've I like walked up to a cast member once at the Indiana Jones ride and just start chatting with them. And they're like, you want to go on? Want to skip the 45 minute line? Follow me. Yeah. That's like, that's probably the easiest and the, the one people are most thankful for. Yeah. Right. <laughs> is, hey, nice to meet you. Oh, you're nice. Hey, come with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had that happen a couple of times, which is always, always great. So when you were on our three caviars episode, we also went through your top five favorite Disney movies and you landed number one was Aladdin, which is why you've been invited back to this show. Squarely number one. I think I mentioned it in the last one. It was, it was probably the one I was allowed to watch most often or most period. So it's probably like, I can still sing the songs. Uh, sadly, I don't know if I should admit that in public <laughs> or not, but yeah, definitely. And, and rewatching it one more time again, just for, you know, perfunctory purposes, I could definitely still sing along. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. There was a lot that struck a chord with me too. And we'll, we'll dive into that in a few minutes. And yeah, with that, we'll move on to Aladdin. And now our feature presentation. Now, come with us and enter a whole new world beyond your imagination. Walt Disney Pictures presents Aladdin. You're a genie? That's right! He can be taught! You never had a friend like me. <laughs> As we talked about last week on our Beating the Beast episode, Howard Ashman, who, who helped write the songs for Little Mermaid and also Beating the Beast before he passed away, he was the one who originally pitched the idea of Aladdin in 1988. He, I guess, had read the old, well, it's the old book it's based on, Tales of the Scheherazade or whatever it is, and uh, thought it'd be a great idea for a Disney film. I never knew how to pronounce that. And he enlisted Alan Menken to help him develop it. But soon after that, the studio scrapped the idea, and uh, Ashman and Menken moved on to work on Beauty and the Beast. And we all know what came of that. Multiple Oscars, some incredible songs, and an amazing movie in my opinion. They brought on Linda Wolverton again to uh, help with the treatment and to write a draft of the screenplay. She also helped write the screenplay for, for Beating the Beast, as we talked about last week. And then they enlisted uh, Ron and John, Ron Clements, John Musker, who directed Little Mermaid, to uh, take a look at this movie. And they were brought on board. They actually got to choose between a few different options. Their options were one based on Swan Lake, Swan Lake and one called King of the Jungle. Can you guess what that eventually became? Um, Lion King. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Before Ashman passed away in 1991, he had written the Prince Ali song and one, one other song that didn't end up in the movie. But uh, John and Ron took this over and they... Uh, continued on the screenplay they sent it to jeffrey katzenberg who notoriously shot down the original draft of beating the beast and he did the same thing to aladdin <laughs> said start it over boys and uh, didn't uh, reschedule the release date so they were in a time crunch very similar to what happened in beating the beast that we talked about last week they brought on a couple guys to help write the script ted elliott and terry Ruscio. they removed some characters added some characters adjusted some characters and by October 1991, Jeffrey Katzenberg finally signed off on it. And remember, this movie released in 92 in November, so I'm running out of time here. Production began. Uh, Eric Goldberg was one of the lead animators in this movie. He's worked on tons of these Disney movies. 
uh, he decided to take inspiration for the style of this movie from a guy named Al Hirschfeld, who was a very prominent cartoonist illustrator uh, in New York. I believe he did comics for the New Yorker or for New York Times or something. New York Post, I think is maybe what it was. Very distinct style. And that was the style that actually was very heavily influenced the Rhapsody in Blue segment in Fantasia 2000, which I've expressed as one of my favorite things ever made. And Eric Goldberg, who I just mentioned, is the one who made the Rhapsody in Blue segment in Fantasia 2000. So it's all coming together here. Al Hirschfeld's style is very kind of swooping curves, not a lot of straight lines. And this was also kind of inspired inspired by the sort of Aladdin font, too, and sort of the, the calligraphy from the Middle East sort of all kind of came together to create this style. And there's a great special feature on the Blu-ray I was, I was watching the other day where they talked about how detailed the illustrations for this, for this movie were. Every line on every character, they call it the thick and thin line style, where the lines begin thin and then in the middle of the line it gets a little wider and then it becomes thin again. So on every curve, on every line, on every character, there's this very like detailed outline and, and way they drew these characters. And apparently it was a pain in the butt. <laughs> but And it's not something you really notice until you hear about it and then look into it. But Maybe that's why I like Jasmine so much. Yeah, the curves. <laughs> <laughs> But the extra detail and thought put into this, and that's, that's attributed to Eric Goldberg and Al, and Al Hirschfeld, who was an advisor on the movie. The only character that didn't really have that style was Jafar, and the guy who animated Jafar, who was the same guy who did Gaston in Beauty and the Beast, he decided to make Jafar look different. Right. A uh, shout out again to some of these animators. Glenn Keane, who I mentioned last week, was the animator on Aladdin. He worked in California. Meanwhile, Mark Henn, who was doing Jasmine, was in Florida at MGM Studios, so somehow they animate all these characters separately and were able to make them work together. I don't understand how that works. But. This was Were they using the Al Gore internet at that point? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently a lot of faxes and a lot of phone calls. I don't know if they had the internet yet. 92, Al Gore claimed to have invented it around then, right? Okay, yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, another interesting thing, the, the carpet, the magic carpet, was hand-drawn, but all of the patterns on it were added digitally. So it was one of the first sort of computer-generated characters, in a sense. Um, as we mentioned last week, they're now heavily utilizing this the CAPS system, which is a digital uh, animation helper tool that Pixar created. They don't need cameras anymore. They can put the whole movie together in a computer, even though a lot of it is hand-drawn. And they use some CG in some select places, including the Cave of Wonders was clearly a, a, a CG character. And then uh, the genie. We love the genie. The genie was created with Robin Williams in mind. So Jeffrey Katzenberg, the guy who seems to shoot down all ideas, that's his job as an executive. <laughs> Most executives. <laughs> <laughs> he had suggested the likes of John Candy or Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, but Robin Williams signed on. He was shooting Hook at the time, and so he came to the studio in between shooting Hook and, and a movie called Toys, which I'm not familiar with. Toys? You seen that? Yep, Toys, yeah. He becomes part of a world where the toys all come to life and they're all like his full adult size. I don't even know how to describe it. Super creepy Toy Story? Yeah. Like <laughs> like early creepy Toy Story. Interesting. So this is one of the first times that they allowed someone to just basically completely improvise in the studio. As we talked about last week, these, these movies are very heavily storyboarded, very, very plotted out. But you bring a guy like Rob Williams in the studio, you do, do not know what you're going to get. And what they got was fantastic. Yeah, which contributed to just the incredible nature of this character. I think it's one of the funniest animated Disney movies of all of them. I might be biased since Aladdin's my favorite movie, but like just all of the things that Robin Williams brought to it. Going back and watching it now and being sort of like a, 
I don't want to call myself like a student of comedy, but like I watch a lot of comedy stuff and I know a little bit about the history of comedy and there are so many references to particular styles, particular comedians, Groucho, Bob Hope, uh, like Dangerfield. Dangerfield, so many. That's the that's the one everybody recognizes. Yeah. yeah, Dangerfield, and they're peppered all over the place. It's not just in the one segment. He just masterfully slides them in all over. Here, 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 and here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can't imagine what was cut too. I'm sure there was tons oh. of great stuff that didn't make it because they didn't have time. Or it wasn't kid friendly. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, knowing Robin Williams, right? There's probably an R-rated version of Aladdin somewhere. In the in the archives of Disney. But never duplicated. Genie of the lamp. Right here, direct from the lamp. Right here for your very much wish fulfillment. Thank you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Moving on to the music, and then I mean, we can certainly get into some more details of some of these things. Uh, after Howard Ashman passed away, Tim Rice took over. Tim Rice is well known for working with Elton John, I believe. And he took over Howard Ashman's role to join Alan Menken on working on this music. They wrote 14 songs for this movie, but there's only, I think, like six in it. And uh, as we talked about last week with the pop version of Beauty and the Beast in the credits, we got the pop version of A Whole New World in the credits of this movie. Once again, featuring Peebo Bryson and Regina Bell. I can show you the world Shining, shimmering this was the first and only Disney song to win a Grammy Award for Song of the Year. Interesting. And it was that the recording from from them, and not the recording from the movie that 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 won that. This movie came out November twenty fifth, nineteen ninety two. It grossed nineteen point two million in its opening weekend. It was number two at the box office behind Home Alone two, starring Donald Trump. <laughs> Macaulay Trumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> um, it took eight weeks for the movie to reach number one. It stayed in the theaters that long. But it held the top spot five different times during its twenty two week run. So it was wow. in theaters for a long time. It just wow. kind of bounced around up there. It ended up being the most popular movie of ninety two, grossing two hundred seventeen million dollars and over five hundred four million worldwide. So in today's numbers, that would be like north of a billion, probably. Yeah, and it was the highest-grossing animated film until Lion King, which came out two years later. <laughs> so <laughs> didn't hold that mantle for very long. Just like uh, Avengers won't hold that mantle long until Avatar Two comes out, right? <laughs> I doubt it. I don't know. <laughs> if by Avatar Two, I hope you mean a second land at the park, because the movie will not make any money. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, we can't doubt James Cameron until we see it. It's true. He does it's have true. the two most, two of the most popular movies of all time, including one where everyone knew what the ending was going to be. Fair. The boat sinks. <laughs> so it sold over fifty-two million tickets in the U.S. And its its domestic gross is equivalent to four hundred seventy seven million in like twenty eighteen dollars. So it's a lot of money, and that's not counting international box office. Not counting international. I was just gonna say, right. yeah, it's not counting international. It won two Oscars for best original score for best original song. So Alan, Alan Menken's on fire. What else we got? There's some controversy with this movie. Did either, either either of you read the multiple controversies? No, teach me. You mean like the controversy where? Disney owns all the original screenplays to these so they can remake them at will like they've done with Aladdin and Lion King and a bunch of other things now. Uh, that's not what I was referring to, but that is not a great one. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, what you're saying is like the guys who created the original frames in Lion King are not getting any residuals from the live action Lion King that's that just came out. 
they get nothing. Disney basically like commissioned it. Yeah. So they forfeited their rights to it so they can remake it in any form they want as often as they want and have to give nothing to the original creators. Wow. Which is not ideal for them. <laughs> now they they have tended to bring back some folks, like especially the guys who've written the music. I wonder if there's different rules about the music. It's like, well, because Alan Menken came back and did live action Beauty and the Beast. Did. He's back doing live action Aladdin, I believe. Hans Zimmer's back doing Lion King. So I wonder if there's something different with the music. Well, the controversy I was talking about is, uh, <laughs> first off, Robin Williams agreed to do this movie for like the SAG minimum, which was 75000 at the time, I guess for his, or maybe not the SAG minimum, but for a, a scaled pay because it was just coming in to do a voice and his like his normal fee was like eight million dollars but his under the condition that he isn't using any promotional material and that like the, the genie only takes up like 25 percent of any of any advertising space and so i think they kind of appeased the 25 percent thing but they just made all the other characters smaller than the genie so he was still bigger <laughs> so he was still bigger right yeah and they didn't mention robin williams in the advertising but they obviously had his voice as part of the genie and he like got really pissed at disney for this he's like the best part of that movie though <laughs> like, yeah i know I, yeah it's and maybe he didn't think it would be at the time when he came in to to record but he got mad enough at them that he didn't come back to be in return of jafar the sequel someone else played the genie wait there was more than one aladdin yeah there's two sequels <laughs> I know there are. I'm just saying, like, in, in my in my scope of oh, Aladdin's right, right. existence, there are no others. <laughs> well, Return of Jafar and Aladdin, the King of Thieves, were, were released by the Disney Toons portion of the, of the company. They, do, are, they are not on this list. Like the, 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 the B team produced them. Yes. No, no. The B team. Perfect. Yeah. That's yeah. the subs. Yeah. Perfect description. Yeah. The genie was voiced by Dan Castellanata in the animated TV show. He probably did the other two movies also. He did. He did Return of Jafar, but Jeffrey Katzenberg, I keep mentioning, once once he left Disney, he went to go start DreamWorks with, with Steven Spielberg. I was going to say, is that the same Dan Castellanata that does a bunch of voices on The Simpsons? I thought the same thing, and maybe it is. Yes. He, did, he does uh, Abraham, Grandpa Simpson, Barney Gumble. Krusty mm-hmm. the Clown, Sideshow Mel. Homer. And Homer. <laughs> <laughs> He's not important. <laughs> Casually. Yes, yeah, same guy. I guess he can do a Robin Williams impression. But uh, when, when Katzenberg left, uh, the guy who took over, Joe Roth, publicly apologized to Robin Williams. And so Robin came back and did uh, the third one, Aladdin, the King of Thieves. The kissed and made up, I suppose. The other controversy is the original lyrics to the Arabian Nights song that opens the movie. Which is also sung by Robin Williams as that other character. As the other character, yeah. Um, the original lyrics were... Where they cut off your ear if they don't like your face. It's barbaric, but hey, it's home. Where they cut off your ear and they don't like your face. And it was changed to where it's flat and immense and the heat is intense. But they, they changed that in the 1993 video release. So probably none of us have actually seen the original lyrics to the song. Where it's flat and immense and the heat is intense, it's barbaric, but hey, it's home. But yeah, so apparently the where they cut off your ear was <laughs> a little offensive, which I don't, I don't blame whoever was offended by that. There was also, one more thing, this, is, this one's great, and I need to look this up, and if I can find it, I'll put it, I'll play it in the show. There were concerns raised on another scene when when Aladdin is, is like attacked by the, by by Raja the tiger on the balcony. He apparently says a line. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He says a line that sounds like 
good teenagers take off your clothes, mm-hmm. which people heard and were like, and obviously thought that was inappropriate. However, according to the, the, the DVD commentary track with the directors, they admitted that that Scott Wanger, the guy who did the voice of Aladdin, ad-libbed during the scene. They claimed we did not record that and would not record that. And that he said, good tiger, take off and go. And that the word tiger is overlapped by the growl from the tiger. And so it sounds like good teenagers take off your clothes. <laughs> so how's our little bow doing? Oh, mouse. Come on, scat. Come on, good teenagers. Take off. Come on. That seems like a stretch. <laughs> so how's our little bow doing? Oh, mouse. Come on, scat. Come on, good teenagers. Take off. Come on. Theme park presence. Perez, uh, rattle off all the places you could find Aladdin in the theme parks. Which park? <laughs> all, all of the above. There really aren't that many I could think of. In the Morocco Pavilion at Epcot, definitely yep. Jafar, Aladdin, occasionally the genie. Jasmine as well. Definitely Jasmine. Magic Kingdom used to be in a parade. I haven't been there in a while. It might still be in the parade. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know about that. There's a there's an attraction in Magic Kingdom, though. There is. The flying, the flying carpets attraction. I don't know if there's a meet and greet over there, though. Again, it's been a while since yeah. I've been there. At Hollywood Studios, that those rotate all the time, so yeah. they would have come and gone. I think anymore, it's just going to be Star Wars and Toy Story. Right. The Aladdin's Magic Carpet Ride, and yes, uh, the Morocco. There was a show at Disney's California Adventure in in California that was like a big Aladdin Broadway number, Broadway production in the big theater there. Okay, that's about all I can think of. There's not much. Yeah, there isn't really. I'm... I think there's an Aladdin like walkthrough attraction at, Dis- at Disneyland Paris. It's like little dioramas you can you can see, um, right. and then there may be an Aladdin diorama as well in the story story boat canal storybook canal boats at Disneyland. I don't know if you've ever been on that. Never uh, been to Disneyland, sadly. N- really? Yeah, I know. I was just there a couple. Weeks you need ago. to. Oh, you gotta see the I original, know, I gotta man. Go. I gotta go. I know. I don't have the connections I used to. Otherwise, I would yeah. by now. It's worth it. I love it. All right, that's enough of the history of this movie. Half hour in, David. Do you have any more fun facts to contribute to this? No, the only thing I was going to mention was I I loved that Disney Channel show, which aired from 94 to 95 and then reran until like 2000. So that was right in my Disney Channel and Toon Disney obsessed days as a child. And that show had three seasons and was pretty good. And uh, the only voice actor that was the same, I believe, was Gilbert Gottfried still did Iago on the show. Was Jafar on that show? No, he was dead from the movie. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, he, but he returns in the next one. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. Well, he gets he gets tossed into the Cave of Wonders in his lamp, so he's not dead. I don't remember. I haven't seen it since okay. probably 2000. <laughs> well, I bring that up because the guy who does the voice of Jafar, Jonathan Freeman, is the only voice of Jafar. Any incarnation of Jafar anywhere, including on Broadway, he plays Jafar on Broadway to this day. Really? Is this guy named Jonathan Freeman, who is a normal-looking white dude playing this uh, skinny, somewhat Arabic guy. But uh, yeah, that's like that's how he's made his living, and it's it's pretty awesome. And he loves it. If you find interviews with him, he's so just thrilled that he's made a living as Jafar. It's pretty awesome. But yeah, my wife and I were in New York City a couple years ago, and then there he was, the original Jafar on stage. Pretty awesome. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jonathan Freeman, and I played Jafar in Aladdin on Broadway, and I also originated the voice of Jafar in the 1992 animated film. David, anything else? Nope. Let's talk about. Aladdin. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, before we talk about the movie, Perez, you mentioned a little bit, but what's your history of this movie? I know you just watched it again yesterday or whatever, but before that, had you seen it in a while? 
you know it well. After rewatching it today, I probably haven't seen it since I was in college and I was babysitting. And <laughs> I was like, ooh, I know what movie we can watch. And then it ended up turning into a sing-along with me and the kid that were watching it. Nice. Uh, terrible one. Glad there's no audio of that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's probably been... 15 years oh god 15 years yeah all right (laughs) since the last time and then as a kid you know hundreds of times dave how about you i don't remember the last time i saw this movie but i definitely am very very familiar with like the universe that they're in and the characters from that tv show i mentioned yeah this was definitely a favorite of mine growing up and as we'll get into watching it again i knew so many music cues and lines and the one that first stuck out was sugar dates sugar dates and peas sugar dates and pistachios (laughs) pretty necklace for a pretty lady (laughs) (laughs) all right let's uh dive into this movie fresh fish we catch him you buy him i don't think so oh excuse me Andrew Perez, you've watched this movie again for the first time in 15 years. Is it still your favorite? Thanks for reminding me. (laughs) Uh, It's still my favorite by far. I mean, everything I ever learned about lying. I mean, talking to girls I learned from this movie. Uh, (laughs) uh, No, I really is. It's still still number one in the streets, yo. I mean, there's just so many things. Like, it's the first movie that, like, watching it again today reminded me of like maybe subconsciously like my love for watching comedy and and seeing stand up and stuff all came from this movie and I didn't even know it till I rewatched it today cuz we talked earlier about like just all of the different references to to comedy comedians to I mean er, including like using his tail as a microphone like almost immediately after he comes out of the lamp I mean just so many so many great comedy references through the whole movie and breaking the fourth wall within three minutes of the movie starting with with the narrator saying, come close, and then hits him in the face, too close, too close. I mean, just there's just so many things that like I don't remember ever seeing in other movies before that. And there's and then like all the in, the Indiana Jones imagery when he's like going to get the lamp. Yeah, I mean, they, they took some risks with this movie, certainly. Oh, I mean, those, most of those things you mentioned have never been done in a Disney movie. Animated or not. Yeah. Not to mention like, like talking about like current pop culture and, and that sort of thing. I mean, there's a moment where they, he, the genie turns into like the Macy's Day Parade commentators. Yeah. Which is amazing. He's got 75 golden cows. Don't they look lovely, June? Fabulous, Harry. I love the feathers. It's it's so much fun, and it's it's they certainly took a risk doing that, and it's 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 amazing that it still holds up. It it really does because I feel like there's movies later movies that have done this, like Shrek. I think is a very good mm-hmm. example that which I haven't seen in a long time, but I imagine a lot of that pop culture reference just doesn't necessarily hold up anymore. And I feel like Robin Williams was classic, well, like knew enough in his improv to like pick things that were gonna gonna last a while well and some of the things he picked were already things that had been lasting for a while sure like the groucho marks and the bob hope and the you know like that stuff was already canon at that point and he was just piling on you know so of course that's gonna hold up sure i read that he recorded all of his voiceover work in four four hour sessions so they had like 16 hours worth of dialogue to choose from i wonder just all the different takes he took 
on his in his scenes. It must have been crazy what he came up with. I wish there was like a reel of that somewhere. There's some footage of it if you go online or find the DVD or Blu-ray. There's definitely some footage of him recording, it, but it's 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 nothing extensive that I've that I was able to find. David, you watched this movie again for the first time in probably a while. What do you think of it? I loved it. I really enjoyed like the pacing in the movie and just all the different places they go to. How the first half of the movie is setting up all of the main characters so that you know them better. The princess Aladdin, Jafar, uh, the Sultan. Like you get to know them all really well in the first 30 minutes. So you actually care about them when Aladdin starts to try too hard, trying to get Jasmine to fall in love with him. You just like you you actually care about the characters by that point. And then you actually care when Jafar is starting to get his way and the genie is sad that he has to work for the bad guy. You just you just care about all the characters and they're they're all likable. Um, even Jafar is a he's a really good villain just because of how like conniving and um, controlling of the Sultan he is throughout the movie. But I loved it overall. It's and on top on top of that, all the the music musical numbers are awesome and just the setting in this Middle Eastern country is just way different from what we've seen in Disney movies up to this point. So it was all really impressive. Yeah, he goes to like the Acropolis and uh, a bunch of other pyramids. places, the, the China, pyramids, yeah. China. Uh, so so we're talking like Santa Claus levels of speed on the carpet here. Or, like, tele- or teleporting skills. Right, or teleporting in a three-minute song to all these places <laughs> around the world. In one and night. Then, in one night, right. Yeah, Santa Claus. That's a good that's yeah, a good Santa answer. Claus levels of speed because he's got to hit a thousand houses a minute. How do they describe it in the Santa Claus of how Santa gets to every house at night? I forget. I don't think I've ever seen that no. movie. Oh, that movie's, I love the Santa You're Claus. You're talking about right. Tim Allen's The Santa Claus? Yes, it's so good. I think everyone listening just got homework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with you, both of you. I think, I mean, I watched this movie a lot as a kid, as I said, and it is so much fun from start to finish. It's very similar to what I was saying about Beauty and the Beast last week. It's just probably more fun than Beauty and the Beast. I think they they both have their their merits. I mean, they're both love stories. A little bit different pace, different story, but one song after another in this movie is so much fun. One song after another. There, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. One song ahead of the curve. Yeah, and then as <laughs> I mean, as soon as the genie joins this movie, man. It is just it just catapults to it epic just it levels, just keeps yeah. getting better and better and better. My my one my one gripe, which I'll which I'll which I'll get into right now, is the the genie rules. Like I I'm okay, I'm cool with like the three rules. Like you can't fall in love, uh, kill someone, or or resurrect from the dead. But you know Aladdin refuses to you know use his third wish to set the genie free at least initially. When all they had to do was put the genie back in the lamp and like have Jasmine rub it. <laughs> or like True. have the sultan you know like pool your wishes <laughs> right and then save the last of like nine nine wishes to set the genie free because as soon as the as soon as jafar grabs the lamp he's able to take control but doesn't he say at one point doesn't the genie say at one point like he's my master now i can't help you kid how does he get that third wish back that was always my question like if he if he has a new master and that new master gets his three wishes or whatever the, he has a remaining wish that he can go back to now because the other guys used all his three i think it's the last person that rubbed the lamp but you can't rub the lamp twice and get six wishes you have three total in your lifetime 
Oh, okay. So, so he has a little checklist like like carved <laughs> into the inside of the lamp. Yeah. Yeah, that and like he gets Aladdin out of the cave, but he's like, I can't do that anymore. And he can turn himself into like whatever he wants. But he's like, he's playing by his rules, but then he doesn't. And the laws of the genie are a little, a little inconsistent. Well, they're consistent with the person playing the genie. <laughs> True. True. Because he had no, there was no rhyme or reason to how he did things either. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Aladdin got really lucky that Jasmine did not dump him after finding out that he was lied to her multiple times. She was like, you know, she asked him a couple of times, like, really? Are you really a prince? And he continued and insisted to lie about that. I think the only reason that she didn't hate him forever was that he rescued them from Jafar. But yeah, he got super lucky there because he, he had the chance to tell her on their, at the end of their magic carpet date and he didn't. I was very disappointed in him. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got to learn his lesson somehow. Let's talk about Jafar a little bit. I love Jafar. I mean, he's a ter- he's a terrible person, but he's such a great character. But a great character, yeah. He reminded me quite a bit of Cruella DeVille in a way. David, you pointed this out in our 101 Dalmatians episode that Cruella is this very, very skinny character almost emaciated person who hides under her big coat and he was very much the same just this creepy skinny old bald man hiding in this this elaborate horned shouldered attire and i just i loved his scheming and i i loved the ways he went about things and i loved iago that was just gonna yeah i was waiting for somebody to say that oh, i think i liked so iago awesome. just as much as i liked jafar as far as being like maniacal and you know that that one scene for me that does it for the two of them is like when they're doing one one piece of a laugh back and forth that maniacal laugh as the camera zooms out way back to the top of the <laughs> ha, 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 they just go back and forth that like that just perfectly sums up like he, he couldn't have done it without yago but yago would also be useless without him <laughs> right <laughs> When he's disguised as the old man in the dungeon, Iago's <laughs> like the hump on his back uh-huh. talking to him. <laughs> I'm dying such in here. A good, they're a yeah. very, such a good duo. And uh, I love the Sultan's interaction with Iago as well. He's constantly feeding him and Iago hates it, but he can't resist. Some great comedy. And I mean, Gilbert Gottfried is, is you know, an incredible comedian. Right. I think he's he's gotten in some trouble of late, hasn't he? He has. He's back on the circuit again, though. Okay. Yeah. Perfectly cast as a parrot. No doubt about it. Definitely. And we get another we get another great bird in the next movie. We get Rowan Atkinson as Zazu, which is fantastic casting as well. I did not know that. that yeah, was Mr. Rowan Bean, Atkinson. yo. Huh. It's another comedy huh, I didn't legend know that right there. And yeah. uh, they have John Oliver as Zazu in the new in the new live action like quote unquote live action Lion King movie. So that's fairly good casting as well. That I would I would have just gotten Mr. Bean again. Yeah, he's, right. He's, he's available, he's, I'm sure. He's still with us. <laughs> What else we got? What else do we notice in this movie? Well, I, th- I mentioned it earlier. There's just like a lot of a lot of references to other already existing f- uh, movies. You know, like there's a little bit of Frankenstein imagery when he's using the blue diamond to cast the spell. I heard a Wilhelm scream. 
Oh, did you? Yeah, when they lifted the palace up. Yeah, it was the first Wilhelm I've heard in a Disney movie. There was a Star Wars reference that I noted. Anyone? No. A Star Wars reference. I'm going to be embarrassed when I don't know this. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe it wasn't that obvious, but when, when Jafar imprisoned Jasmine, she was totally like Slave Leia. Oh, yeah. Chained, chained to was. Jafar in his throne yep. in her like skimpier bikini outfit. Reminded me a lot of uh, yeah, Return of the Jedi true. and Jabba the Hutt. How did I miss and, that? And uh, Iago's like the... <laughs> Celsius Crumb, Salacious Crumb. Yeah, that <laughs> that guy. Side note: the guy who does the voice of that of that monkey rat in Return of the Jedi is from St. Louis. He's still in St. Louis, and he, where I used to work, we have uh, we had a, a sound studio, and people come in and record radio spots and that sort of thing. And he came in and recorded something with with Brent, our our sound guy. It wasn't Star Wars related. <laughs> But somehow Brent found out he was the voice of Salacious Crumb, which is pretty random and awesome. Huh. There's just so there's so many like, iconic lines in this movie. I loved I loved when the genie turned into into a cheerleader at the end, like during the <laughs> during the battle, during this like epic battle. He turns into a squad of cheerleaders and he's like, Jafar, Jafar, he's our man. If he can't do it, great. Great. <laughs> yeah. Rick, I'm rack, I'm rack, I'm rack. Stick that sword into that snake. You stay out of this. Jafar, Jafar, he's our man. If he can't do it, great. I guess we can start wrapping this up. We're like, we're we're pretty far into this. Um, Perez, as our as our esteemed guest, you need to establish our rating system for this movie. Last time you were on, it was easy. We just did it out of three caballeros, but we need we need an and we need an Aladdin related rating system. Well, we can either go with the obvious one, one one through five lamps, or you're gonna have to edit this because I'm gonna have to think of a second thing now. <laughs> three, three wishes, <laughs> or three wishes. How about how about out of seventy five golden 75 monkeys? Golden camels. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, what is it? I think it's seventy five golden. Peacocks got it's golden camels. Peacocks got fifty three. Okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> you should add up. We should add up all those. Hang on, we got this. Okay. He's got seventy five golden camels, so we got seventy five plus peacocks. He's got fifty three. Fifty three. <laughs> He's got. He beat the galloping horde. Are those the only numbers? Oh, no, he, okay, he's got. He's got. He's got ninety-five white Persian monkeys. He's got the monkeys. Let's see the monkeys. Uh -huh. <laughs> <On> the <part. laughs> he's got the monkeys. Let's see the monkeys. <laughs> okay, and he's got sixty elephants, llamas galore. He's got bears and lions, a brass band and more. He's got forty fakers, his cooks and bakers, and birds that warble on key. That uh, was that a was that a reference to the tiki room? <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Let's just add the elephants. We'll add the sixty elephants. And that 60 adds up elephants. to two hundred eighty-three. <laughs> okay. I don't want to. I don't want to step on your rating system, but this 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 could work. Well, what do you guys want to do? <laughs> How about out of five lamps? <laughs> <laughs> After all of that. <laughs> all, right. all right, Perez. Out of five lamps, golden genie-filled lamps. What do you What do you give Aladdin? Five golden genie-filled lamps. Yep. I give it uh, five golden genie-filled lamps on top of 75 golden camels. Okay. Perfect score. Perfect score. Uh, final thoughts, still my favorite animated Disney movie of all time, Fight Me. <laughs> I mean, it's a hard thing to fight, for sure. <laughs> David, five golden genie-filled lamps plus any other animals you want. So it's out of five? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just making sure. I give this a 4.5 out of 5. 
All right, final thoughts? It is the best Disney movie we have watched of these first 31? 31 in my book. I loved it. Better than Robin Hood? Better than Robin Hood. And I think my score reflects that if I'm remembering correctly. All right, so you said 4.5? Yep. All right. What about you, Mike? Well, see, I get, what did I give? I gave Beauty and the Beast a 9.5 out of 10. And I think this is on par with that. So I'll say 4.75. 4.75 Golden Genie Filled Lamps. Golden Genie Filled Lamps. Do you remember what Mike gave Three Caballeros? Uh, three out of three Caballeros, I think, didn't he? Yes, yeah. sir. <laughs> That's what I thought. It's unbeatable. <laughs> I gave Robin Hood a perfect score. Anyway, this movie's great. It's fun from start to finish. It's got great action, great music, incredible characters, obviously, but none more incredible than than the late Robin Williams, who who blessed us with this amazing character that will live will live in history, no matter what Will Smith does to it. Oh. <laughs> so so with that we'll uh we'll wrap up this show uh andrew perez thank you so much for joining us again it was a pleasure thanks for having me always a pleasure and uh david we're moving right along 31 down only so many more to go hey i'm a street rat remember that was a terrible quote uh, that was the first one that came up you want to replace that you aren't just some prize to be won. You should be free to make your own choice. Oh, thanks. That's so <laughs> kind of you. Uh, remember to check us out on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We'll read it here on the show if you write us a review, just like we read Perez's review in Spanish, even if it wasn't understandable. And uh, <laughs> Maybe you should leave the Spanish review reading and writing to me. <laughs> <laughs> and please check us out everywhere on the internet at Disney1x1. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. And next week, oh man, we're finally on The Lion King, and we're going to be joined by a very special guest, Disney podcast legend Jim Hill will be joining us as our guest next week. You know him from the Disney dish with him and Len Testa, and from fine-tuning with Drew Taylor, and he'll be with us here on Disney One by One. So that's The Lion King from 1994. We'll see you then. I was born in between these two movies. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. All right, we're all rolling. So, oh, wait, one more thing. Yes. Randomly, the other day, I'm talking to someone that I work with here yeah, in Orlando. Say this on the show. Re- so, give her a shout out on the show? Sure, why not? She, it's not a, a very terribly interesting story. Okay. She basically walks up to me and she goes, have you ever been on a Disney podcast? And I was like, uh, yeah, actually, why? And she goes, I knew that was your voice. <laughs> I was like... Oh, listen to uh, you watch a lot of uh, Three Caballeros, do you? And she just started <laughs> laughing. She says, "I knew it was you. I was going to call you, but it was like three in the morning, so I didn't." <laughs> who, who was this person? Uh, just a random person that works in production at Disney, who also works as a freelancer in Orlando, and who is listening to this podcast and another one that is in a similar vein. Huh? Interesting. Yeah, well, we're working our like, way out there. Are you sure you're? 
it was you, right? I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope ours is better. <laughs> I, well, that's what I tried to get her to admit. She yeah. wouldn't go either way. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for choosing Magic Carpet for all your travel needs. Don't stand until the rug has come to a complete stop. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.